Hi, I'm Nancy Mullane, executive producer of Life of the Law, and we need your support. We're launching a special campaign to raise $10,000 to fund our productions through June 30th. The campaign is 100 by 100, and we hope you'll join 99 others by supporting Life of the Law with a $100 donation. Go to our website. The support button is right there on the homepage. It's important. Just $100 to help cover the production costs of this episode, Death by Police, A Mother's Diary, and the next eight episodes of Life of the Law, including stories on bioethics and the law, animal rights, Inside San Quentin, and How to Find a Good Lawyer. Make that $100 donation to help us reach our goal. Do it now, and thank you. Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Our opinion next turns to the problem of what the judicial role should be. I'm coming here to try to make some form of a change within the police procedures all the way around. They need to be able to approach these children and understand that mental diseases and being under the influence shouldn't cost you your life. This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. officers shoot and kill unarmed people in Sacramento, Detroit, New Orleans, in Madison. The Washington Post reports 987 people were shot and killed by police in 2017. 68 of them were unarmed. There are marches and calls for investigations, and in the end, justice is elusive. So when Life of the Law producer Zoe Sullivan said the mother of an unarmed teenager who had been shot and killed by police had been keeping an audio diary of her experiences after the shooting, we listened, and we hope you will too. Death by Police, A Mother's Diary. Tony Robinson, um, 19-year-old killed by Madison police officers. My son was in the midst of a um, a mental crisis. He had ingested about seven grams of mushrooms and was having what is referred to as a bad trip. And he was not. He wasn't in his right state of mind. His friends called the police to try to get some help for him um, and it was alleged that he attacked the police officer and the, what we don't know is what happened in the 18 seconds that the police officer was in the hallway and um, he ended up shooting my son seven times in the chest and face and as far as what I know is that he passed away somewhere between the house and the hospital and then the rest is pretty much a blur. What was his name? Tony Robinson! What was his name? Tony Robinson! Justice! 
Tonight, there are protests over another deadly police shooting of an unarmed man after complaints of a confrontation. This one last night in Madison, Wisconsin. So when the, when the red light is solid, it's recording. Okay. Um, let me see. Maybe should we, we should just record. I'm Zoe Sullivan, and I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. I met Andrea Irwin, Tony Robinson's mom, while reporting on the death of her son. I asked her if she'd be willing to keep an audio diary. She said yes. I'm recording an audio diary because I'd be able to have, well, for my personal self, just to be able to have a timeline of what happened. And because for me, it's hard to remember everything that I did and said, I would like other people to know, um, you know, what it is that we went through and, and for them to understand like the depths of of pain and, and how deep that this this went rather than just my son dying, but as far as like our family and everything that we all went through after he died and what we still go through. You know, people don't understand the ripple effect that causes when someone is, is killed and especially tragically and, and, these, and under these circumstances with, you know, with no answers. And so I think that it's good for me to be able to go back and look because like I, I mostly just went through the days, just you know, on autopilot, and and I need to be able to to remember all of what happened. Early in the evening on March 6, 2015, a friend of Tony Terrell Robinson Jr.'s called 911 to ask police for help. He said Robinson was behaving erratically and needed support. While officers were responding to the call, dispatch received other 911 calls identifying the subject as a 19-year-old, six-foot, light-skinned, black male wearing a tan jacket and jeans. That he had hit someone. That Robinson may have taken shrooms or mushrooms or some other drug or intoxicant earlier in the day. Seven. Our 17th no longer on scene. Apparently, Tony hit one of his friends. Um, no weapons seen. The first Madison police officer to arrive at the scene was Matthew Kenny. 45 years old and white. And uh, clarification for David 3, David 7, David 8, he went inside 1125. Arriving at the scene, Officer Kenny enters the building with his hand on his weapon. A few moments later, he quickly backs out of the building, firing seven rounds. He hits Robinson in the chin, shoulder, chest, and hand. Tony falls to the bottom of the steps. Paramedics arrive and take him to the hospital, where he is pronounced dead. Back at the apartment where the shooting occurred, Madison police officers take Tony's two roommates into custody. Without an attorney present, the officers ask them to give statements about the incident. Within hours of Tony's death, Black Lives Matter demonstrators take to the streets. For days, there are peaceful marches and school walkouts in Madison. That same night, the Wisconsin Department of Justice begins an investigation. 
A year earlier, the state passed a law mandating an independent investigation into every officer-involved shooting. Two months after the shooting, Andrea is still waiting for the state to complete its investigation and for the local district attorney to decide whether to bring charges against Officer Kenny. While she's waiting for a decision, Andrea and her boyfriend, Jeff, travel to Washington, D.C. May 7th, 2015. Jeff and I have arrived at the Hyatt Hotel in Hand in Hardin, Virginia. Feel pretty blessed to be having been able to take this trip. Um, in spite of all that is taking place at, back home, my fear of tomorrow and what I'm going to say and what what will be said and at all. Uh, any questions that I would be asked. Not sure that if I'm ready or prepared or um, feel like if I'm smart enough or I don't know, a lot. I'm nervous. I miss my son. It's when it all boils down to it. That's why we're here. So I have to spend my evening trying to prepare myself for what I'm going to say in the White House tomorrow and promote safety, safety and police procedural change and accountability and maybe now if I can get attention on a national level. I know that this battle has taken things from me um, and I didn't know I was capable of having or even giving up. And I recognize that I have to change the way that I approach those I love. My mother is hurting and it is my job to make that pain go away because I can't inflict more pain on the people that love me, need me as I need them. So, my journey for change has to begin now. It has to begin now. Otherwise, I will consume myself with anger. And of course, that will get me nowhere. Black Lives Matter! John Marshall Park, 10 a.m. Million Moms March. Just walk down the street to go find a Walgreens. Seems to be a lack of stores in D.C. I'm thinking about you this morning. Thinking about the last time I saw you. You came in the house. About the last time you and I were together alone. You laid on the bed. Chilled with me and watched TV. Remember when you told Jeff that you had taken his spot in the bed. I 
give anything to go back to that moment and not not make you leave my room. Just put my arms around you. You were casuals. You spent the night that night, a couple of days before the last time I saw you. In a white shirt, relaxed, shorts. They were black. You come in the room. I was chilling in the room. You lay down the bed with me. And then I flashed to the last day I saw you. You gave me that hug. Kiss. Told me you love me. And pushed you out the door. so much. I'm coming here to try to make some form of a change within the police procedures all the way around. They need to be able to take away their guns, put them guns down. They need to be able to approach these children and understand that mental diseases and being under the influence does not shouldn't cost you your life. They need to have more than one approach and damn these guns need to be taken away. We're sitting here waiting, and while we're waiting, more babies are dying, and they're not doing anything about it. I was the only white mother out there. Um, I got pushed into the back uh, a couple of times because they thought they said it's only for the mothers and. And I had to tell them, like, I am a mother. You know, they don't, they don't recognize me because of the fact that I'm different than the rest of them, you know. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Andrea returns home from Washington, D.C. on Mother's Day. The investigation into the shooting death of her son, Tony, has been going on for more than two months. I just returned from the Million Moms March. Plane landed at 1218, the way it was supposed to. It's cold here, much colder than in DC. I was pissed off about the $8 flipping coffee I had to pay for this morning, but hey, it is what it is, huh? Arguing with Jeff all fucking day. I really want some peace. Tired of fighting. Tired of arguing. Tired of not getting treated with any respect around here. That's right. It's whatever, though. I have four kids. Tony was 19, which would have made Jordan 14 going on 15. 
and Malik was 12. Kyla was nine years old. She was nine. Jordan, Malik, where's all the mail that's came in in the last two days? That's not mail that came in in the last two days. That's mail that's been here. Fucking great. Uh, it is Mother's Day at 2.30 in the afternoon, and I just received the call from the DA's office that they will be making a decision on Monday. I mean, Tuesday. I am now about to call my brother, Turin, and let him know the decision is coming. Two days later, on May 12th, the Wisconsin Division of Criminal Investigation releases its 27-page report into the shooting death of Tony Robinson Jr. and announces their investigation is closed. The report provides new information about the night of the shooting. According to the testimony of one of the responding officers, while Tony Robinson was lying at the bottom of the steps, bleeding from gunshot wounds and gasping for air, he brought his hands out from underneath his body. They were empty. No knife, no gun. Dane County District Attorney Ismail Ozane holds a press conference. I conclude that this tragic an unfortunate death was the result of a lawful use of deadly police force and that no charges should be brought against Officer Kinney in the death of Tony Robinson Jr. Sharon Irwin, Tony Robinson's grandmother, spoke at the family's press conference after the DA's announcement. Hi. Look, I just want to tell you about my grandson because he's been slandered from the beginning and he was set up. But just, I wear a sweater because this is the only comfort that I have left. I don't have an option to hold him anymore. And I want you to know that I miss him and really love him. He was a great kid. And you, are, uh, you haven't had the opportunity to know the kid I know. The Madison Chief of Police announces the department is going to launch their own internal investigation into the shooting, and Officer Kenny will remain on paid administrative leave. The Wisconsin Professional Police Association praises the state's report. Andrea Irwin and the Robinson family hire an attorney from Chicago, begin their own investigation into the shooting, and commission an independent autopsy into Tony's death. We had already been talking about racism. We'd been talking about it their whole lives. I didn't hide those things from them. You know, they are biracial children. It's a thing, something they have to live with. It's not something I hide from my kids at all. So we went from living on Ally Drive when he was 
six and seven years old to Stoughton, which is, you know, at that time, very few black folks lived out there. So he went from being not dark enough on Ally to being you're, you're black and you don't belong here in Stoughton. And then we moved back to Madison and it was, you know, Madison and the east side of Madison is a pretty diverse neighborhood. It's a pretty diverse place to live. So I figured he would be safer here. It was so much under the cover racism that I didn't pay attention to. And honestly, really didn't even see until he died. Tony Robinson was my brother. Like, how do you think my family feels? Because, like, that was my brother, and he died at, and he died when I was only ten. How do you think the family of mine feels? Is that is that what you would say to Matt Kenny if you had to yeah. meet a chance to meet like, him? Yeah. Like, how do you think our family feels? What if that was your family? Right. What if police killed your white son? Right. How do you think the family feels? You're feeling how this family feels right now. Sad and hurt. Like, like it's hard because we barely get to see our father because he's really hurt. All because of you. And now that my brother's dead, my dad really, really hurt that like we can barely talk to him or see him. And like we need him. You're right. You do. Okay, you do need him. <laughs> but later in life, we're gonna get over it on the outside, but on the inside, it's still gonna be, still gonna be depressed, hey, and like sad. You're very but right. We're still. She's right. Like, She's right. As time goes like, by, you start to heal. On the outside, it does yeah. start to heal better, but you know, but, but on, on the, the inside, inside it's you still always hurts. right, and you always remember that, and it like, does still hurt. Those are good questions, Kyla. To sit and think that you know. What if Matt Kenny was would have been black? Do you think you would have killed him? Or no, do you I think, think that he if Terrell would have been white, him. or maybe even if he would have even just known Terrell? Yeah, you know, may, would he have done he, what he did? You don't judge nobody oh by God. their skin color. Things got really stressed between my family and I because of all the attention from the media and all the attention from the city. It just you know, everybody wanted to have their word and have their say. And I really wanted it to be strictly a select amount, of, a select a few people to speak for our family. And uh, my mom, of course, you know, she's really upset and she has a right to be, but she just has no filter. So <laughs> I really wanted her just to not, you know, just to back off and it causes a lot of tension between our family and for a while there we weren't speaking. Five months after the shooting, on August 13, 2015, Andrea Irwin files a federal civil rights lawsuit against Officer Kenny and the city of Madison. She charges Officer Kenny with violating her son's 14th Amendment equal rights protections as well as his Fourth Amendment rights against unreasonable search and seizure. Andrea files her lawsuit the day after the city of Madison announces a $2.3 million settlement brought by the family of another unarmed man, fatally shot by another Madison police officer. Nine months after the shooting, Andrea's at home making Christmas dinner. Oh, that's really good. Is that lotion? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. 
Mm. When I'm done Next cooking, I want to use it. Let me see. Does this smell the same? Yeah. Oh, girl, you smell delicious. Ooh, she smells really good. I wish one of the kids would come take all this stuff outside. Christmas tends to like, just like Thanksgiving, Christmas and Thanksgiving, if you're a woman, is not. <laughs> it's a whole lot of work. There's not too much resting going on. Too much going on. Too much all at once. So usually Terrell would be like in here trying to pick at everything. When's it gonna be done, Mom? When's it gonna be done? Terrell was Tony's middle name. Because his father is also called Tony, the family often referred to him as Terrell in order to distinguish father from son. I don't even know how to cook anymore where I like how small my family is now. I'm used to having Terrell who could eat all kinds of food. I mean, that boy could eat. Put you out of house and home eating. And Jordan, who ate a ton too. So now it's just me and Jeff and the two little ones. And we always end up having leftovers, lots and lots of leftovers. I don't know. I don't know how to cook for a family this small. From having my giant family to having this tiny little, little bit. We drive to the cemetery to visit Tony's gravesite. And I'm pissed off already that people are out there vandalizing his shit. Driving over his grave and taking the lights that I put on there off and taking the candles that I put out there and sticking them out in the middle of his grave. But like they stole the solar powered lights I took, I had up there. My brother had put a solar powered cross the day he was buried. That's gone. I can't stand it. Came on here since um, his birthday. He took all of his shit. I just I bought him. I just bought him that one that's sitting down there now, that the little light, because they stole the first one. There was his grave used to be lit up. It yeah, lit it up at night. It was so nice. And um, they came and told, took one. So I put that one on the left there, and then they came and took all of them and left the one I bought. So I just put the new one there. So, He's afraid of the dark, so I always try to make sure he had lights because he's scared of the dark. But I didn't want him to be in the dark. <laughs> oh my God. After that Christmas, Andre and I don't have much contact for several months. Then, in the fall of 2016, a year and a half after the shooting, and shortly after what would have been Tony's 21st birthday, I meet up with Andrea to see how she's doing. We lo I lost my job, I lost my cars, I lost everything. All, everything we had was gone. So now we're at a place that um, I'm finally working again and all my kids are back home. You know, Malik and Jordan are home. Well, Jordan mostly stays at my mom's just because he's 
they're angry. My kids are angry, you know, and they have a right to be angry. But, you know, there's we're trying to filter through all of the emotions and, you know, work on us as a family now. Whereas it just kind of was every man for themselves after my son died. Because after he died, you know, my kids had to deal with the death of their brother. But then it's a secondary loss of their parents, too. So... And I think me and their dad are just now getting our minds to a place where we know we can focus on them in some some way and still try to focus on ourselves, too. Like I said, there's no rule book to this, so it's just kind of, you know, you do, you do what you can when you feel like you can at the moment. Yeah. My kids have been through a lot, and, you know, I, I give them a lot of praise because, you know, they've handled things, I think, a lot better than maybe the adults have at times, you know. And uh, I just I just want to help them make, be okay. We know that uh, black men in this county are per capita arrested uh, at a larger rate than, than any, any county in the country. Six months later, it's the end of February 2017. Almost two years have passed since Tony's death. Andrea and her ex-husband, Tony's father, settled their lawsuit against the city of Madison. And so we know that there are a lot of injustices here, and we believe that this lawsuit, this action, is the beginning to address those, uh, those particular injustices. The court orders the city to pay $3.35 million, the largest settlement in Wisconsin history for an officer-involved shooting. Nearly a year after the settlement, I talk with Andrea over the phone. And my life is nothing the same. The person I was, the life I had, everything is gone. All of that is different. There is nothing the same. Today, I'm a better person. But it was not like that for a long time. You know, I went to a very, very dark place. I was on pain medication when my son passed away. I don't know, you know, there's something about opiates. They take away all your, everything. I didn't want to feel anything that hurt so damn much. It's all-encompassing. Unless you feel like, you feel like your chest is caving in, and then your rib cage is turning in and tearing your heart. It takes your breath away. It hurts. Right now, I'm in. A, I mean, I'm in a really good place. Um, I just got married. You know, I have things that are happening. I'm, I'm, I've started working with a friend of mine, who, and I'm part owner of a publishing company. And things are starting to look up. So once I knew, like I was, I felt like I was mentally ready to deal with it. I took myself and I went to that program, and I've been okay free since then. And the cash settlement, Andrea says it meant nothing. We settled only because I I couldn't take it anymore. I knew we would have won the trial, but I'm I had to sit and, and go through a deposition with Matt Kenny's lawyers and the city attorneys 
and go through my son's entire life. And I had to go relive the night that he died. And I had to go through questions upon questions and sitting in there listening to all his friends talk about who he was. And I was about to break because it was too much. Me and my oldest, my oldest now, Jordan, um, are just now starting to talk again. Um, I do not talk to my mother. I do not talk to my sister. This money has destroyed my family. My son's death has destroyed my family. You think it makes people get closer? It does not. It was a settlement of, of $3.35 million. My lawyers took, you know, about one, $1.35, a little over that. And then I have a 50-50 with his father. It caused more grief than it did anything else. I don't, the money has never been anything to me. I feel guilty about having the money. And if people thought that I was walking around with $3 million in my pocket and I, you know, death threats came again. And it was, it was a very scary time. I don't really plan on staying in Wisconsin. I'm actually trying to move to California. So I, like, I just want to be somewhere where nobody knows who I am. I know Matt Kenny was given his job back. I know he's supposed to be in a squad car again. You don't really hear much about my son too much anymore. Once it comes around uh, the anniversary of his of his death, justice to me would be, um, of course, uh, I believe Matt Kenny should be indicted for homicide because what he did was he murdered my son. There's something very very wrong with having a man on the street that has taken people's lives and is now back on the street. If I was to do the same thing, I would be in prison right now. Just because you're a police officer does not give you the right to say I was afraid and kill someone. I think that they need to have an entire revamp of these, the investigations of the police involved shooting period. And he should have to be held accountable for his actions, especially as a police officer, because he's held to a higher standard. I don't think I'll ever get that justice. All I ever wanted was the, the truth to be put out. It's been three years since I first met Andrea and asked her to keep an audio diary after Tony's death. Andrea's life and the life of her three children have changed dramatically. The pain of losing a son, brother, grandson, nephew, tore Andrea and her family apart. I asked Andrea if she would share her story because police shootings are much too common, but attention usually fades after the initial headlines. I asked her to record herself with the hope that people could get a more intimate understanding of what mothers and families go through when someone they love dies in a police shooting. For The Life of the Law, I'm Zoe Sullivan. Death by Police, A Mother's Diary was recorded by Andrea Irwin and produced by Zoe Sullivan. Life of the Law's senior producer Tony Gannon and I edited the story Tony produced the story. Music and production support by Andrea Hendrickson. Our social media editor is Rachel Kane. This month, we're launching a special campaign to raise $10,000 to fund our productions through June 30th. 
The campaign is 100 by 100, and we hope you'll join 99 others by supporting Life of the Law with a $100 donation. Go to our website. The support button is right there on our homepage. It's important. Just $100 to help cover the production costs of this episode, Death by Police, A Mother's Diary, and the next eight episodes of Life of the Law, including stories on bioethics and the law, animal rights, Inside San Quentin, and how to find a good lawyer. Do it now. Make that $100 donation now to help us reach our goal. Thank you. We're a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the Panoply Network of Podcasts from Slate. You can also find Life of the Law on PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Join us in two weeks when we present In Studio, Race, Guns, and Police. That's next on Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Thanks for listening.